On this episode of the Nonprofit Ready Podcast, I speak with Amy Sample Ward, CEO of the Nonprofit Technology Network, better known as N10, about her passion for using evolving technologies to drive change and what it's like to lead one of the most innovative membership organizations in the nonprofit sector. Connecting with members and making sure we're serving the sector is, is my number one priority. Welcome to the Nonprofit Ready Podcast conversations with accomplished professionals from across the nonprofit sector about what they do, why they do it, and how they make change happen. I'm your host, Justin Waddell from nonprofitready.org and the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation. And today, I'm pleased to be joined by Amy Sample Ward, CEO at N10, an organization of nonprofit technology professionals whose members share the common goal of helping nonprofits use all aspects of technology more effectively and efficiently. Amy, Thanks very much for joining us today on the Nonprofit Ready Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited to learn about your career. You know, coming from a foundation that focuses on technology, I'm eager to hear a lot about your perspective on where this is going for the nonprofit sector, and we'll cover everything. Um, but I want to start with your early professional career and influences. Uh, could you tell us a little about some of your early jobs and what you learned from these experiences that has helped? In your navigation of the nonprofit sector up to this point, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, my my real kind of professional first job was working in an organization, a nonprofit that provided safe shelter and social services and pro bono legal services for victims of domestic violence and their children. My role there kind of took two pieces. One was on the communications team, helping with totally standard nonprofit communications. And then the other half of my job was a program role, but very much in a community organizing uh, position. But through both of those positions, so much of being able to do the day-to-day work required, in my opinion, all different kinds of technology, whether that was the early days of Facebook and, and organizing in that space or more tailored email communications, making sure there were dynamic dynamic pieces on the website. Um, so for me, that was natural, right? Like, here are tools available to me. I'm going to go use them to do my job. And I had that job while I was in college. So when I graduated and, and was moving away from that state and had to turn over, as you do at the end of a job, right? Turn over all of your work and where all your projects are at to the staff that were staying there, I realized how different my understanding of doing that work was than everyone else's. You know, everyone else thought, wait, you've been emailing the newsletter? We've been mailing the newsletter. What do you mean you've been emailing it? Who do you email it to? Um, you know, how, how do we continue to talk to these uh, volunteers in the teen outreach program? I, none of us know what Facebook is. Why? What is this tool where they're all talking to each other? I think that job very much shaped my understanding of, I mean, now, today, you know, the space N10 fills, but really that huge shift that technology made in not just the operations, you know, not just the tools uh, kind of programmatically inside the organization that everyone was using to administer their job, but how we even thought of doing our work, how we thought of engaging with the community, 
because all those community members were using those tools too, right? They were on Facebook, which is why I could organize there. Um, and I think it was a really interesting time for me to see that shift happening in real time in front of me and, and that I was an active part of making that shift happen. Now, being on the forefront of that shift, did you have mentors that helped to guide how you would implement many of these changes? Or were you really building the plane as it flew? I think looking back, I can see where I was influenced or inspired by other people. But I think in real time, I very much just felt, I felt like I was building that plane as I flew, to use your your phrase. But I don't think I knew that I was building a plane. I think I was just moving forward and using the tools that I knew were accessible to me, you know? Um Here's here's a thing that looks like a wing. I guess I'm up in the air. I might as well use this, but not necessarily. I have this plan for a plane, right? And the I think there were a number of different influences, and most of them were not necessarily focused on the the kind of direct application of my work, but they were people who really shaped how I thought about my work. So, for example, I did have a professor. Um, in college, I, one of my majors was in new media, but at that time, new media meant, you know, we were opening up terminal and pinging websites to see if they were up or not. So it wasn't like we were doing, um, you know, really cool things on social media or something. Um, but I had a professor who kind of operated at that intersection of technology and journalism and very much believed and instilled in us this belief that the internet was a space where content could be treated more equally. Uh, if you are the person in your city who is on that bridge and witnessing something happening, your story and, and content should be accessible just as much as a reporter who shows up to cover that story, right? And I think for me, that really helped shape that idea that even if, you know, I am at that job responsible for creating some of these communications and talking about our work, if I'm not making sure that all of these volunteers can equally go have that conversation, I'm we're not going to succeed in this digital world, right? It can't just be my voice that is the authority that gets to write this content. It really really needs to be all of these volunteers being able to speak to the value of this work. Mm -hmm. Now, oftentimes change and progress can be accompanied by friction. Could you tell me about some of the pushback that you may have received as you implemented new programs and how you handled that change management? For me, my experience has been that you just have to assume that people are going to be anxious or nervous or fearful or, or push back and that that isn't the thing that you try and deal with. You don't try and like mitigate their fear and, and make that not happen. You just recognize that that's a natural human response. Um, but instead use those opportunities where change is happening to talk about what, where that fear or anxiety is coming from. It's never in my experience, very rarely is it going to be because of the thing you're proposing or the the tool that you're trying to use. It's really because it's it implies this other tool can't be used and everyone relies on that other tool or it um, 
would require these other programs shift when those staff don't yet have the capacity to make changes in their programs. You know, there's there's something deeper and more meaningful that's kind of uh, instilling some of that anxiety into either a meeting or conversations or whatever. And I think that's where organizations actually have the potential to create really meaningful engagement within staff around problem solving and creating those solutions and together deciding on what change looks like and how it's going to move forward instead of feeling like, well, here's the one staff person that's open to change. Everybody else is against it. People aren't against it. They're just against the idea that something they're working on isn't right or is going to have to change and they don't know what that change is. Yeah, and I think uh, many of us in the nonprofit sector and outside of the nonprofit sector as well can relate to that happening at our organizations. Mm -hmm. And this might be a good point to transition to what your current organization does. Uh, For people who aren't familiar with N10, could you tell us a little bit about the mission of the organization and the impact that you and your team are having? So N10, the Nonprofit Technology Network, we're an organization, we're a nonprofit, Uh, based here in beautiful Portland, Oregon. Um, But we serve a community all around the world, really. And our focus is making sure that every nonprofit, regardless of how big or small, how many staff, what their budget is, what their mission focus is, where they're geographically based, that all nonprofits know how to use technology to really effectively meet their mission and, and make change in their communities. That means we we do a number of different things. It's a pretty broad mission, right? So we have educational programs. We do a number of research reports uh, and surveys, develop templates and resources for organizations, uh, and have lots of community programs. I think what's interesting about N10 is that oftentimes people have this perception that, you know, N10, the nonprofit technology network, would would be a group for, quote-unquote, IT staff. You know, someone who's an IT director or a CIO or a CTO, something like that. But if we all, if we kind of let go of that idea and think about our jobs and nonprofits, every single one of us is using technology. It doesn't matter what team you're on or what your job title is. You're using email, accessing the database, adding content to the website, trying to engage with people online. You know, all of those pieces are true across an organization. Everyone wants to be effective, right? We all want to be doing a good job, and technology is a part of all of our jobs. Mm-hmm. And this almost sounds like the, the perfect role for you. How did you ultimately find your way to N10? I first found my way to the N10 community by, by joining as a member. Same I think experience as, as many of our members where you're doing certain work and you, you know, do a, do an online search or talk to your friends that also work in the sector about resources and come across the N10 website. And then when you get there, think, Oh, why have, why have I not already known about this or been a part of this? Because this is obviously what I'm looking for. Uh, It's a story we hear all the time from community members and was very much my experience, too. When I, after college, moved back uh, to Oregon, where I grew up, and and was working in the nonprofit sector out here, our organization was an N10 member. So I thought, oh, I have this resource available to me. Let me check it out. And then 
realized, like I said, oh, I should have been here all along, right? These are my people. These are folks who understand that technology is really here to serve us in the nonprofit sector, and I want to be a part of this. And I'm sure that many of our listeners are familiar with N10 from the Nonprofit Technology Conference, which takes place every year in March. But what else does N10 do specifically for its members in terms of the events and learning resources that it can bring to bear? Sure. We we do have the NTC in the spring, the big uh, conference. So for us, big means like couple thousand people all gathered together. And outside of that, we have programs all year. In the fall, we have another conference that's kind of the complement or the opposite of NTC. So a a kind of limited capacity conference, the Leading Change Summit. And outside of those two big events, we have online programs all year round. Outside of education, we also do a number of research reports and surveys and develop resources like a, a workbook or a template, et cetera. So we have about depending on the year, five to eight publications as far as reports and, and resources go. And what what I think I would love to open up um, specifically to folks who might be listening to the interview is that we feature different nonprofit staff and practitioners every month on the website. Those articles go out to the monthly newsletters. Um, and those are on different topics each month because really – you know, I, I know in the intro you said N10 is a membership organization, and we take we take being an organization that serves this community very seriously. And and one of the values that we're regularly talking about is that we are a platform for the community. We are the stage, but we're not necessarily the voice on that microphone. And we really want to make sure that we're setting a stage that all different community members can can be up at that microphone. I love it. I now want to transition to your personal and professional experience with the organization. You know, you joined in 2011, first as the membership director and then as the organization's CEO. Could you tell us about that first role as the membership director? What were your primary responsibilities and what lessons did you learn from that experience? For me, being a membership director of an organization like N10, where we do have members, Right, we do have people paying for membership who have a different relationship to the organization, to to our programs, to benefits. But as a C3, we we want to make sure everyone knows they can participate. It's unrealistic to think that N10 will will reach our mission of making sure every nonprofit knows how to use technology if we qualify that by saying every nonprofit has to be a member, right? So, so for us, we have two pieces. We have community members and then we have members. We have the paid level members. So being the membership director meant not just creating a strategy for the transactions for, you know, what's going to get us the, the joins and the renews and, uh, you know, earned revenue, but really what is the difference between being a community member and, and wanting to be a paid level member? What is the value we're creating that's that much greater, right, for that kind of subset of, of folks? And what does it mean as an organization to continue to serve two kind of different levels of, of engaged community members? 
So thinking about your transition to CEO, what was it like moving from the position of membership director in which you were managing a critical but specific function to assuming responsibility for the entire organization? I think for me, one of the interesting pieces about transitioning from the membership director to CEO is that it's it's very much shaped my kind of priorities and perception of the role of CEO instead of coming maybe from a operations and administrative kind of angle into this role where I might focus more on some of those behind the scenes pieces. For me, who our organization is in the community and how we are, of course, meeting our mission and, and reaching our stated outcomes, but really connecting with members and making sure we're serving the sector is, is my number one priority. And that means, of course, making sure there are great operations and, and admin and all those other pieces in place internally. But I think for me, it's that is such a, a focus and and shapes, you know, even in my like to do list for the day, if I have something that's just me to work on or something that means engaging like today with you, I'm going to prioritize engaging with you because you are, in theory, right? You are the community, and I want to make sure that is always covered first. Now, you have to manage multiple teams at this point, and you mentioned there's the membership, there's the programs, and of course, there's the community uh, that you're constantly trying to engage. Uh, how do you balance uh, this workload, and how do you focus yourself uh, from day to day on various projects? Yeah, so one kind of component of, of my work prior to being at N10 and, of course, continued in both of my roles at N10 is uh, how to design for and how to operate in a community-driven way. Being community-driven does not just mean the membership, you know, director is trying to engage with the community. Being community-driven means you, you have a default way to prioritize your list. We have a default way to prioritize even at the highest strategic level, where we should focus both our our kind of budget and our time and our programming. Um, if there's an idea we've created as staff in a bubble by ourselves and equally of interest or value is an idea that's emerged from the community and already has community support, there is no way I would say this internal idea is better, Right. If, if we are truly serving with this organization and the community has helped us identify opportunities where we could deliver a program or, or better serve the community, there we go. There's our priority, right? Um, it's already presented itself. It already has that community perspective and investment. So we know that when we're developing it going forward, we're not wondering, okay, is this really the right kind of uh, webinar, or is this really the right angle for this report? We don't have to wonder about that community alignment or the community interest when it's published because we've generated it from and with the community instead of in that bubble inside the organization. Right. Could you tell me a little bit about how you actually build that community culture within your organization? I think uh, organizational culture is always a hot topic in all of our minds, and I'd love to hear your approach to this. I think there are a number of different strategies to to consider. One that we have found to be very important at 
and 10 is that every single staff person should be talking to the community. It doesn't matter what your kind of job function or job title is. Um, talking to the community should not be something that the membership director and the community manager are doing. It should be every single person. So that means we open ourselves up to ideas that we otherwise wouldn't get if it was only if it was only me. It's only going to be my my version of reality, right? But this way, every staff person is connected to community members and regularly talking to them. And it sounds like all of this is so dependent on making sure that you have the right team members in the right roles. What do you look for when hiring for the N10 team? We look for folks who already are aligned with, you know, kind of living the N10 values, and then looking for folks who really can do all different kinds of things. Because even though we say, great, my title is CEO, and this person's title is, you know, community program manager, and this person's title is whatever, on any given day, you're going to have to do all different kinds of things. Like I said, everybody's phone rings. So the phone could ring, and it could be somebody saying, oh, I'm having trouble registering for an event. Can you help me register? You don't get to say, well, you know, I'm the membership director, so I'm not going to help you register. You say, great, what's your name? I'm going to look you up in the database and get you registered. Um, and I think that's, that isn't everybody, right? So looking for folks who are who really like the idea that they could walk into the office, know what they want to get done in the day, but that in the process of getting that done, they're going to have all different things that they're working on, different people they're talking to, uh, different different ideas kind of coming across their desk, and that that's something that inspires them versus something that's maybe going to make them feel frustrated. Could you tell me a little bit more about some of the unexpected challenges that you may have faced in your few years as the CEO and how you've gone about addressing those? As the CEO, it means I'm... I'm getting all different kinds of ideas and feedback and requests for what we could and should be doing, where we should be partnering, um, you know, programs that we could be creating. And I think the challenge is in really trying to maintain that focus on being community driven and, and keeping the priorities on what N10's mission and values are. Because we have such, you know, we said at the beginning, we have such a broad mission. I can understand how basically every idea that comes across my inbox could totally be justified, right, as, as the next thing that we focus on. Um, so, re so the challenge then being knowing everything can't be the focus. <laughs> so, so distinguishing from all those opportunities, the ones where we really will have the most impact in the community. They, there will be the most opportunity for for change and finding ways for those other opportunities to not be a no, but to say, here's another organization that I think is better suited, or here's a community member that can help move that idea forward, or here's just a different way we could maybe think about that within the N10 world. I like that idea of maybe not us, but I think there's someone you should meet. Uh, could you tell me more about how N10 approaches collaboration and make sure that they're working you know, across the sector to really move forward your mission and that those missions of others? 
for us, we are a membership organization and of course would like all of these other organizations who who we could potentially collaborate with to also be members, but we want to look at what makes sense. So for example, we have a number of, of collaborations, a number of partnerships with uh, state nonprofit associations, and it doesn't feel like a valued relationship to say, you know, we're only going to partner with you if you um, pay to be a member of N10, and then maybe we'll consider you. Instead, we say, you're also a membership organization, and you also care about nonprofits. You know, from a mission alignment, let's figure out ways that we can we can help each other, that this rising tide will lift all ships. I mean, I, I could give lots of examples, but for us, collaboration just means we have interest in finding something that's mutually valuable and then defining that with that other partner. Okay. Now, I'd be remiss if I had you on the line and didn't ask you some technology questions. And I think the first is just to do generally with how nonprofits use technology. You know, there's a lot of noise out there. There are a lot of, quote unquote, silver bullets. What do you think are some of the most common mistakes that nonprofits make I mean, one is certainly what we talked about earlier, that idea that it'd be too difficult to try and get everyone in the organization to commit. So just your team is going to do something and then every team is running its own database and every team is sending emails out to probably the same people, you know, that, that uh, so not, not having a thoughtful kind of integrated approach to the different tools is kind of the root of so many problems that come up in organizations. Something in N10's research to, to add as well, we do an annual survey and report around technology investment. And something that comes up pretty you know, consistently uh, year to year is organizations that are higher up on the, on the adoption and effectiveness kind of scale for using technology are organizations that recognize technology has to be part of their strategic plan. If if you are creating kind of organization-wide strategies for your work, but you're not able to, to see the connection or articulate the technology infrastructure that will get you to those strategies, you're probably not going to be as successful as organizations that can make that connection between here's where we're going, here's where we're um, investing in our mission, and here's the technology that that ensures we're getting there, that ensures those programs work, or you know the technology that ensures we know we're doing that, right? That that captures that data or helps us um, demonstrate our impact. If you can't if you can't make that connection, you're gonna start working on those strategies, and then part way down the path, realize maybe you don't have the technology that you need, or that the, the systems to help you know whether you're on track or not aren't really in place. I think when organizations are considering technology and struggling to fully integrate into their organization, a lot are simply wary of snake oil or taking advantage of just what might be the new flavor of the week. And that leads to hesitance to actually implement and ultimately you know, waver to the point that it hurts some of their operations. What would you suggest to those organizations that, you know, approach technology with a skeptical eye and aren't sure of how to really go about that research? I think that some amount of skepticism 
is healthy. I think organizations that don't have that, that just say, you know, any, any new tool is great, are also crippled by that just as much as organizations who are fearful of any new tool, uh, because it both means they're not being effective, right? They're, they're just um, not being efficient inside the organization. So I think some, some skepticism is, is healthy and necessary, but I think creating a shared understanding across the organization of what those priorities are, creating that kind of rubric for decision making is, is a way to make it feel not about, oh my gosh, what if we choose the wrong tool? And more about, is this going to help us get to where we want to go? What is your strategy? Where are your priorities? And, what is your community's need? If you if you have a community that's all online and you have this online system for intake, but you require that people are logged in and have a password, but you know your community members only log in once a year, no one's going to remember their password once a year, right? So just thinking through not just your staff experience with these tools, but your community members' expected experience with the tools. All great points, and I know that's something that we definitely always think through uh, on our end at the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation, so uh, it's good to hear those reaffirmed. As we uh, wrap up, I want to return to you and just thinking about your career uh, and the career perspective you have thus far. Could you tell me a little bit about the short and long-term goals you have both for yourself and for N10? There are a few really important priorities that are short-term goals that very much dictate long-term trajectory. And that one of those is the professionalism of the sector, recognizing that the idea of quote-unquote nonprofit technology is still a pretty new idea. You know, people still find the N10 community and the N10 website every day and say they they never even thought that it was a career path, right? So really trying to acknowledge how many professionals are working at that intersection of nonprofit and technology, you know, nonprofit folks who know that technology is essential to their role and providing them with real professional services. Second priority area is making sure organizations can be effective with technology and understanding the connection that that means to their community. I think there's a of course, kind of traditional idea of nonprofit technology being the tools that we're using for, you know, administering our organization, right? And and things that are internal. Uh, but I think we're advancing in the, not just research and resources, but also the programs that help organizations understand the tools that they're using, allow them to engage with their community. So helping organizations understand not just how to how to invest in technology tools so that their organization is running, but really so that they're effectively engaging communities in, in meeting their mission. And with this eye to the future, what do you recommend to someone considering a future career in the nonprofit sector? The nonprofit sector, I think, has this kind of outdated misperception that it's it's you know, an overworked and underpaid sector, but I've really not found that to be true in in reality. I think it's an incredibly inspiring sector. Every day you're meeting with people who are literally making an impact, you know, and and you get to be a part of that 
Um, even if you're in an organization like N10, where, you know, we're, we're a pretty meta organization, right? We're an organization that serves organizations, yet we're still able to, on a daily basis, talk to members of our community about very real transformations and value and impact and, and have that inspiration coming every day. Um, but it's also going to be a challenge, right? The nonprofit sector is the sector saying, we have, we have to solve these issues. You know, we, we can't, we can't live in communities where people continue to experience homelessness and hunger and the environment is changing and that's impacting so many things. So people that want to, want to have that inspiration work with other people who are, engaged and inspiring and, and passionate, but also work with those people on really intense, important topics. Um, if you if you can manage those two things, you can balance those two emotions, right? The intensity of, of the challenge and the mountain in front of us, but also knowing that it's going to be a really great time because you'll be surrounded with incredible people on that journey, then it's very much a sector for you. Awesome. I can second those emotions. <laughs> Amy, this has been fantastic. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to participate. I'm really I'm really looking forward to hearing folks' feedback or ideas that they have or uh, feedback about N10, whatever it might be. I think this is um, a really great opportunity. Yeah, and for listeners who are looking to learn more about N10 and specifically your upcoming uh, Leading Change Summit, where should they go? The easiest is just to head to n10.org, N-T-E-N.org, um, and the top of the website, regardless of what page you're on, you can get to the Leading Change Summit information, you can get to NTC, the Nonprofit Technology Conference, or log right into some of those online community groups and, and meet other professionals. Awesome. Well, again, Amy, thank you so much. This was a fantastic conversation. You know, we covered a lot, your career technology, community-driven focus. Uh, I think it's all, you know, excellent, excellent things for the nonprofit sector and our listeners to consider. So thank you again. Um, I hope that uh, this isn't the last time we stay in touch. Perfect. I hope so too. On the next episode of the Nonprofit Ready Podcast, I'll be joined by Steve Culbertson, CEO at Youth Service America, or YSA. Steve is a very inspiring speaker with more than 20 years of experience as the CEO of YSA. I promise it'll be a fascinating discussion and one that you will certainly not want to miss. So be sure to subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. If you haven't done so already, be sure to sign up for the nonprofitready.org, which includes all of our previous podcast interviews, some engaging webinars, and more than 300 online learning resources covering the most crucial job functions in the nonprofit sector, all 100% free. The Nonprofit Ready Podcast is a production of the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation. I want to thank our executive producer, Alec Green, our editorial director, Jeanette Lamb, our sound producer, Trung Ngo, and most importantly, you for listening and helping us to build the nonprofit ready community. Learn more about capacity building services of the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation at csodfoundation.org. Thank you and have a great day.